0: You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? You are listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. I just wanted to thank each and every one of you for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen every day. And just remember that Locked On NBA Draft, we got here four days a week. I think that we have a great team of hosts here on the Locked On Network that cover the NBA Draft. I know this is probably the slow season, so for those that are listening to you, are probably NBA draft junkies because the the majority of the people aren't really interested in the NBA draft in September because, you know, we're, I don't know, 10 months away, nine months away from the actual NBA draft. So thank you for listening. Thank you again for making NBA draft your first listen of every day. And before I get into the show, it's brought to you by Thursdays on Locked on NBA, your host, Jackson Gatlin and Matt Moore are telling you whose NBA stock is up, whose stock is down. Follow the Locked on NBA Today podcast on YouTube or, or wherever you get your podcast. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about my misses, about the players that I evaluated and I was totally wrong on. I know Chat Ford did a, a, a podcast on this a, a few months back, and I, I just recently moved and so during the moving process, I found like an old folder of my notes when I first started this draft process. I want to say the first draft that I actually started taking notes and really, really studying film on guys was the 2012 NBA draft. And I just like found my old notebook and I uh, found the notes, so I, I was a beginner. But I wanted to talk about like some of the players that I was totally wrong on. I'm not afraid to admit that I've you know, been wrong. I mean, NBA GMs are wrong, so I'm not going to sit here and say that um, I- I'm-, I'm any different. But there were guys that I was totally wrong on. And I- I'd say I'll just go by years. I won't do the last few drafts because it's still a little early. But in 2012, the player that I was wrong on was Anthony Davis. <laughs> Believe it or not, I was not as high on Anthony Davis as others. When I saw AD again, this is, you know, my mind, you know, back in 2012 when I saw AD, I saw him as a energy guy. I thought at best case scenario, he was like this. Sean Marion, Pogo Stick, energy guy that can defend multiple positions. And I thought he was going to be an effective NBA player, no doubt. I mean, I, I thought that he was going to be like an All Star, but I was just kind of wondering why everyone was so high on him. And I I got tired of hearing about him as this former point guard in high school. I didn't see like the ball handling. I didn't see anything that led me to believe that he had this late growth spurt and he was this former point guard. Now I could see if he were a guy that. Play like, let's say like a Draymond Green or something like that, where he had the ball in his hands a lot and he made a lot of decisions with the ball, then maybe I would have understood that, okay, he did did have a a background as a point guard. But with AD, I didn't see it. Um, Again, I just did not see, like I said, the point guard skills and I definitely did not see the shooting range. And boy, was I wrong. I mean, we're talking about a guy that is Pace to be a Hall of Famer. He's arguably the best big in the game, talent-wise. I mean, his—you know—I mean, I guess you can say Embiid and Jokic are, are better than him. But you know, I—I I don't even know if you—if—if if, if there was like a poll and, and general managers had to choose which player they would select, number one, it wouldn't surprise me at all if some guys thought Anthony Davis was the best big in the league. I actually saw a quote that said, "You always see him." as a top five talent, but never a top five player. But yeah, I'll admit I was totally wrong on AD. And this is going to, it's a little embarrassing, but the player that I liked over Anthony Davis in 2012 was Thomas Robinson. I thought T-Rob was going to be a very effective NBA player. I thought at the very minimum, he had a role as this energy guy, someone that would be an elite rebounder. And even in the NCAA championship game where they faced Kentucky, he had 18.17 rebounds. I thought he outplayed Anthony Davis. His last year at Kansas, he averaged... A little more than 17 points and nearly 12 rebounds per game as a junior. I thought that he was trending upwards because he didn't play a lot. or he, he played a lot, but he didn't have nowhere near the production his first two years. So I thought like Thomas Robinson is trending upwards. I thought he was tougher than Anthony Davis. I thought that he was just going to be a guy that was going to be a long-term NBA starter, maybe all-star. I thought some, he was someone that could average 15 and 12 in his prime. And I was wrong. I mean, Thomas Robinson is out of the league. He's been out of the league for a while. But when he did play, I will say that he was productive. But what I didn't really see at that time was that he has really bad hands. He, he lacks touch around the rim. And a lot of his rebounding numbers are inflated because he gets his own miss. I thought that, or um, well, I, I didn't realize that he struggled with Accepting a role, I remember a few years back I had the conversation. What is the difference between Tristan Thompson and Thomas Robinson? I felt like Thompson had accepted a role. You know, he knew his role. While there were times where Thomas Robinson seemed like he was doing too much. I remember going to a summer league game. He was bringing the ball up court. He was trying to play point guard, and. This is probably the the biggest player that I that I missed on, and not only me, but the Sacramento Kings, because he was the fifth pick in the draft. But Thomas Robinson was someone that I thought was going to be legit in the NBA. All right, and another player that I was wrong about in that particular draft class was Andre Drummond. Drummond went ninth in in the draft, and I was not high on Drummond at all. Now you can say there's some people that aren't high on him now but even though he's i mean he's still young. Andre Drummond is only 28 and he's on the downside of his career as far as minutes and I know the game has kind of changed on him. I was not high on him at all. I did not think that he was worthy of a lottery pick. I saw that he averaged about 10 points per game and 7 rebounds. I thought that, you know, the numbers were okay and I know that he was a good shot blocker in college, but just when I watched this film I saw that he lacked touch. I thought he lacked field as a post score. I just did not see the guy that you could dump the ball to on the block, which on one hand I was right about that, but what I did not see was that in his prime, which I guess you can say he's still in his prime, he was an elite rebounder. He's the rebounder that I thought Thomas Robinson would be. He still has career averages of about 14 points per game and 14 rebounds. Now, those numbers are going to decline big time because I think his days as a full-time NBA starter are are pretty much finished. But the game that really stood out to me, that made me really believe that I was right about Andre Drummond was the the NCAA tournament game against Iowa State. I remember watching the game and he just was a non-factor, was in foul trouble, couldn't defend anybody. And I want to say he only had like two points in that particular game. So you know at that time, I'm thinking like, see, there's no way that you can justify taking him as a top 10 pick when, I mean, he's awful, which he wasn't awful. And again, he's made a lot of money. He was productive on paper when he was an NBA starter. But now some of the concerns or doubts that I had about Andre Drummond are now... I mean, they're now pretty evident, but overall, like I said, he's had a pretty good career. All right, when we return, I'll talk about the players that I was totally wrong about and missed out in the 2013 NBA draft. Quick question. Does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device that lets you watch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're also trying to watch sports highlights on your phone and You've got your neighbor's best friend's in for the good stuff. But I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It is called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of all the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV String. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Of course, you have to have a compatible device. All right, if you enjoy fantasy basketball like I do, then you know that there were ways to win. I used to, I wouldn't call it cheap, but I used to find a way to beat the system because I always kept a flexible roster spot of a guy that I knew that I could cut and I could replace him every day with a new player so that way I could win because I had more games. Well, in 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based off of whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Gang Pick, and it is only available at Sleeper. In Gang Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, which ensures an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing, or in my case, winning, because players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week, are over. The days of mindless daily busy work, over. The days of giving up halfway through the season because of all that busy work, over. In game picks, you pick one player per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive rating, or ranking, Pace of play, and more. All of that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. So whether you prefer Redraft, Keeper, or Dynasty, Gang Picks has you covered. Sleeper, crack the fantasy basketball code. And if you play fantasy football, and if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love Gang Picks. So download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Sleepers' one-of-a-kind gang pick is the most strategic fantasy basketball experience in the industry. Download the Sleeper app and start playing the gang picks. Leave now. All right. Once again, you're listening to Locked On NBA Draft. This is your host Rafael Barlow, and I wanted to thank each and every listener again for making Locked On your first or Locked On NBA Draft. It could be another Locked On show, but if as long as it's in the Locked On family, that's great. But for for this particular you know fan base thank you for making locked on nba draft your first listen of the day all right so let's talk about the 2013 nba draft and this is also pretty embarrassing another player that i was high on was alex lynn <laughs> yes alex lynn i thought alex lynn was going to be a stud I want to say Alex Lin was the first NBA draft YouTube video that I made. If it wasn't him, it may have been Trey Burke. And in my description, this is so embarrassing. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell my own story. And I, this was June 23rd, 2013. If he continues to develop, Alex Lin will be the best center in the NBA. Keyword if, and I have that in capitals. And he has not developed to the nearly or close to the level that I thought he would develop. I I thought Alex Lynn was this tough, skilled center that could eventually stretch the floor. I thought he was still a little raw. And I thought he could, you know, obviously develop into a a legit starting NBA center. Well, not even starting NBA center. I thought he could develop into the best center in the NBA. And I was totally, totally wrong about that. Another player that I was wrong about from the 2013 class was Ben McLemore. Now, you could not have told me back in 2013 that Ben McLemore was not going to be a borderline all-star but high-level NBA starter. I saw him as just great athlete. I saw him as a dead-eye shooter. I thought he was a guy that could come off screens and even as a vertical lineup. But if you remember at Kansas, they used to run a bunch of like backdoor plays and they used him off the ball a lot. And when the defenders um, overplayed him shooting at three, he, he caught a bunch of lobs. Same with Lonzo Ball too. I remember Lonzo Ball catching a lot of lobs. And I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but I have not seen Ben McLemore dunk in the NBA. What I did not see in McLemore at the time was that he had poor hands that he wasn't good off the dribble as far as creating his own shot. That's something that he hasn't developed. But, again, I thought Ben McLemore was, at the very minimum, high-level starter. Now, on paper, his numbers don't look bad as far as shooting the three. Um, I know I think in Houston he shot lights out. Um, I think he shot well in L.A., but he just has not lived up to the hype, or at least what, what I expected. And for his career, he is a 36 point, or 36% 36 shooter from three. Um, you know, like the last few years, I'm sorry, he did not shoot the ball well in Houston. Sacramento, he shot the ball well. Um, his first year in Houston, I should say, he shot the ball well from three. The second season and last year, he, w- he was okay. But for his career, he's about 36% from three, 41% overall. And with career averages of just a shade under nine points per game. And he's definitely, definitely not lived up to, um, you know, what I was expecting. I know people are probably wondering, like, 2013, that's the Anthony Bennett draft. I can't say that I was high or low on Anthony Bennett. I think I was just as shocked as everyone else that he went number one. But he was not someone that I had a strong take on as far as thinking that he was going to be either really bad or really good. All right, another player from the 2013 NBA draft that I was totally wrong on was Trey Burke. Now, Trey Burke had a phenomenal, phenomenal last season in Ann Arbor. I mean, he won, like, College Player of the Year. He was first-team All-American, Big Ten Player of the Year, led the Big Ten in assists. I want to say he won nearly every award. I mean, Michigan had team success. And he averaged nearly like 18 or like eighteen points and nearly 7 assists per game. I thought he, I know he was undersized, but I thought that he had the skill level to make up for his lack of ideal size. I know he wasn't like this, I mean, great, great athlete. But I thought that he had the speed to where he could break down defenses. I thought he could make the right passes. I thought he was a shot creator. I just thought that. I mean, I know that everybody was trying to call him, like, baby AI. I didn't think he was, like, on Allen Iverson's level by any means, but I definitely thought he was someone that was going to be an NBA starter for, you know, eight or nine years in the majority of his prime. He's kind of bounced around, and he's played for a few teams. He was even out of the NBA at one point playing for the Westchester Knicks. He ended up getting a, another shot with the with the Dallas Mavericks. Had a good run with the Mavericks in the playoffs, but... Um, you know, I think he's kind of like a back-end rotation player. I don't even know if he makes the Mavericks team this year, to be honest with you. So um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Trey Burke going forward. But he was someone that I thought was going to, like I said, be a, a NBA starter for at least the majority of his prime. All right, another player. Now, this is the 2014 NBA draft, someone that I had strong opinions on. And it was Trey Burke's teammate at Michigan, Nick Stauskas. I thought Nick Stauskas could at least be like J.J. Reddick. Shout out to J.J. Reddick. Just um, announced that he's retired. I think J.J. played 15 years. And that is the career that I saw for Nick Stauskas. I mean, I thought he was going to be this dead-eye shooter. And I mean, in college, he shot 44%, or at least over 44% from three in his two years there. And I just saw him as a guy that was going to thrive in the J.J. Reddick role Um, I know I'm I'm a Blazers fan, so I do remember him having like this big game against the Lakers. I want to say it was early in the season in 2019, but Nick Stauskas Stauskas has definitely not lived up to being a lottery pick. I mean, he has career averages of five points per game. Now, the shooting percentage from three is good. I mean, he, well, not not necessarily good. He's 35% for his career. He did have a season in Cleveland, even though it was only like 24 games, where he shot 43% from three. Um, his best season outside of that was a short season in Brooklyn when he played 35 games where he shot 40% from three. But Stauskas, I I actually even remember his suit on draft night. And I thought, like, you know what? He has the confidence in him to, to make it as an NBA player. I know you may think it's weird that you know, his suit would determine his career. But I just saw, like, he had this confidence and swagger to his game that I thought would translate, along with his ability to shoot the ball. But, you know, if you're somewhat of a specialist and, you know, your first two years in the league, you shoot 32 and 32 percent from three, it's going to be hard to stick. And um, that's definitely one of the reasons why Stauskas has not been able to, to stick in the NBA. All right. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, which I hope that you have, but if not and you're a new listener, then I have to tell you about Built Bar. You guys that have been listening know how I feel about Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar on the market and it's the best tasting because it tastes just like a candy bar. It has a lot of different flavors. There's something for everyone. So when you talk about a person like myself, that's a Built Bar fan, we love to talk about our favorites. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, there's coconut, Cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and also German chocolate. I'm still eating the box that I received from the live draft show, and it has a lot of the salted caramel in there, but that's that's the flavor that I've been eating at least twice a day. I still have about 20 left, so that's how big the, the box was, But The reason I love it is because like I said, it is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It has 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calories are ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar and only four or five grams net carbs. It's amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today, you can get your grasshopper cookie or your raspberry, whatever you like. And Built Bar was the official protein bar of the US track and field team. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. It is that time of year again, and all the eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron and they are ready to start football season, if they didn't already start. As always, Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. Please head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online your online sports book experts and the promo code is locked on. All right, moving on to 2015. Again, this list is not every player in the draft. It's not guys that um you know, that uh, outperformed their draft rank. And these are guys that me personally, that I was wrong about and that I had really strong opinions on. And in 2015, I start with the number one pick, which is Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, you look at the numbers. I know that he sacrificed at Kentucky. I know they had a great team that year. I saw he put up like 10 points, six rebounds per game. I did not see him as the shooter he is today. I do remember like reading about him in high school. they were comparing him to Channing Fry at one point, and I mentioned that in in my last podcast. And I did not see that floor spacer at Kentucky at all. Um, and I was <laughs> and he is arguably the best three point shooting seven footer in NBA history. I mean he's shooting thirty nine percent from three for his career, even if his career numbers twenty three points, eleven rebounds. And he is like the classic example of sacrificing your numbers to go to Kentucky. And you can say Kentucky held him back. I thought the best player in that particular draft, as far as going number one and number two, I thought Jaleel Okafor was the better player. And he is the next player from that class that I was totally wrong about. I mean, Okafor averaged 17 points, eight and a half rebounds as a freshman, shot 66% from the floor. I saw this wide-body, you know, traditional post player that was skilled on the block. I thought he had good touch, footwork, balance. I just thought he was someone that you could dump him the ball on the block, and you knew that he was going to get you two points at least 60% of the time. And even as a rookie, he averaged 17 points per game. Didn't rebound that well, but the numbers were good. But... It was during the whole tanking process. So, I mean, you can really make a case and say Okafor's numbers, just like Michael Carter Williams' numbers, were totally inflated because, I mean, basically you can just say they were putting up empty stats because somebody had to score on those Philly teams that were winning like nine and 13 games a year. But Okafor, again, I was totally wrong. I thought he was going to be really good. And... He has not averaged 10 points per game since his second year in the league, I think it was 2016-17, and even though he's still young, he's only 25 years old, he's on his fifth team, so I was totally wrong about Jalil Okafor. All right, another player that I was wrong about that was selected early in that draft was Mario Hezonja. Now, I I can't say that at the time I did a lot of research on Hezonja and I had watched a lot of film, but I was overly impressed by his highlights. I saw the dunking, I saw the swagger, I saw him as a good athlete. And I think, you know, lazily when you see a player from Europe, you automatically think that they're a good shooter and playmaker. And I just saw this this confidence. And so I still think Herzonia has the skill set to be a really good NBA player. But for whatever reasons, he just has not been able to put it together even now if you watch him you can see that he can do a little bit of everything but he just doesn't has that have that skill set that he can hang his hat on. And another player, the last player from that particular class that I was totally totally wrong about is Devin Booker. And I mean there were I guess you can say 12 other teams or 10 other teams that you know were totally wrong about Booker. I thought Booker was a three-point specialist. I mean he shot like 40 percent from three as a freshman, and that was mainly his role. Didn't start a lot of games. I think the Harrison Twins, or one of them, or both of them, were starting over him. Only played 21 minutes a game. Definitely was sacrificing for the team, and what I did not know or what I did not see was that he is a complete scorer, and I can make a case and say he's more of a scorer and bucket getter and a guy that fills it up than actual shooter. Like we know he can shoot, but he he's not like a crazy efficient 3-point shooter on paper. But right now for his career, he's averaging like 23 points per game and he's shooting 35% from 3. Like I said, he's more of a scorer than a shooter, but he's not a guy that you're going to leave open. But another area that has been really really underrated in Booker's game that I did not see at Kentucky was I did not know that he was this good of a passer. All right, once again, you're listening to Locked on NBA Draft. This is Rafael Barlow, and I'm talking about the players that I was totally wrong about, and I've probably used the word totally 10 times in this podcast already. Hopefully, I don't use it again, but let's go to 2016, the player that I Well, one, 2016, I was Brandon Ingram all the way number one. I thought Brandon Ingram should have been the number one player in the draft. I will say that I was right about Ben Simmons. I did not think that he was going to work on his game. I did not think that he was a team player. I, I just didn't like how that situation at LSU ended up. I thought it was really messy about him not going to class and so on. So I am not shocked about everything that has taken place over the last few months with Ben Simmons. I just, for whatever reason, I don't have any you know, knowledge or intel, but I just saw him as this spoiled guy that is entitled and was not going to work on add on to his game because I felt like everything that he had going for him was all just natural gifts that came really, really easy. And, um, yeah, I mean so far I was right about Ben Simmons. I thought he's gonna be a a really, really good NBA player, but you know, the whole Magic Johnson, LeBron and generational talent or generational player, I I, I didn't see that, but um, the player that I was most wrong about in the 2016 NBA draft was Jalen Brown. I think he was the third pick in that draft, and when I watched his film, I actually did a video on it, when I watched his film, I saw that he was a good athlete, I thought that he showed flashes of being able to do a lot of things, but I could not pinpoint the one thing that he did well. And even like on paper, he was inefficient. I mean, he had 43, 29, 65 shooting splits. And I just saw a good athlete, good frame, can handle the ball a little bit. Not a good shooter, but maybe could become a average NBA shooter. I just did not see it, you know, what he had. But, you know, when I watch film, you know, I didn't see his work ethic. I didn't see the type of growth that he would make. And he is an, an all-star. I mean, I've heard some people say if you do a redraft of 2016, they would take him number one. And I just did not see the growth as a shooter. I mean, this past season, he averaged 24 points per game. And I mean, the numbers are crazy considering he only averaged six points per game as a rookie. So we're talking about a guy that in 2016 in college, had inefficient numbers who, you know, just, again, like I said, did not seem to have this one skill set that he could hang his hat on. I thought he had potential. And then he averaged six points a game as a rookie, which, you know, if you're the third pick in the draft and you're only averaging six points per game as a rookie, some people are going to be on your head, but he has gotten better every year. And you can make a case and say that, his progression has been better than Tatum's. Now, Tatum is a, a star. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that that uh, Brown is better, even though some may feel that way. But I feel like the, just the, as far as trending upwards and progression, the jump that Brown has made it ha- has been greater than Tatum's. Tatum was you know, he was definitely more polished as as a rookie than than Brown was, but I mean, I just feel like the jump Brown has made has been tremendous. Looking forward to seeing what he does this year. Um, so that was that was it for 2016 as far as players that I was totally totally wrong about. Ah, there was that word again. So I guess i moved to 12. Well, that wraps it up. But before I close out, I want you to check out Locked On Bets betting on the NBA, the NBA draft, or the NFL. It doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, which is hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and the Lee Sterling lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast, which is brought to you by betonline.ag or wherever you get your podcast. Once again, this is Raphael Barlow with NBA Draft Junkies. Sign it out. Hope you have a good weekend. And I am out.